This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. As always, I'm Jeremy Bergeron, super excited to be here. Today, we have, in fact, a very incredible marketing leader in Pepper Evans. Pepper Evans is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Optum Financial. Optum Financial is the subsidiary of United Health Group, which is a Fortune 5 company. I did not stutter, that's Fortune 5. So this is not a small organization, and Pepper's background is incredible. I hope everyone takes time to see kind of the things that she's done in the past, but I want to mention a couple of things. She spent over a decade at American Express, ending there as the vice president of branding and member engagement marketing. Then she went on to Capital One, where she spent almost five years there, and her last role leading the partnership with Walmart, You know, focusing on this Walmart Capital One partnership, which I hope we get to talk about today. And now she's the senior vice president at Optum Financial. Pepper, we are honored and welcome to Marketing Trends. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love it. So for our audience, Pepper, would you describe Optum Financial and then what you do there? Sure. Optum Financial is the payments division of United Health Group, as you said. We work with payers, which means health insurance plans like our sister company, United Healthcare, providers, different medical groups, employers, and consumers to facilitate the delivery and payment of funds. We're focused right now on accelerating and improving how care is financed and paid for. That's really our mission. Optum has been in business for about 15 years, and overall, the organization is organized around providing insights for payers and providers, delivering pharmacy benefits through OptumRx, and in Optum Health, we employ more physicians and nurses than anyone else in the U.S. and deliver a wide variety of healthcare solutions, such as our financial products. Wow. And you're so you're currently with Optum. Your background shows you've been in finance for, for most of your career. I'm curious about what was the spark for you in finance? And was finance marketing kind of a those were two things that caught your attention early on, or was it more finance and then more organically into marketing? What was the, the genesis of that for you? Sure. It's a great question. Early in my career, I was part of the first wave of digital startups here in New York. I worked at the first incubator. I worked at a global fashion brand that launched online. Um, I worked in venture capital. I worked in online book sales. And after the dot-com crash, I went back to business school and wanted to work in a company that would be around for a long time, but also one that really advocated for consumers. And that's where my, my role with American Express came in and why I chose them. I had been in marketing before, but joining Amex was a very deliberate decision for me. It's a fantastic company. I was there for a long time. And what it really taught me was the importance of combining data insights and putting the customer first and how you bring all of those things together to tell your story and differentiate yourself in the market. Adding to that brand, which was a big part of my focus at Amex, how do you tell your story out to both prospects and customers so that you're really um, keeping people engaged and, and creating emotional connections with them in addition to the rational value that you bring? 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, American Express, you spent, I mean, I think almost 12 years, or was it 12 years? Over, yes. over a decade. Yes. I'm sure lots of highlights in your experience there, and it certainly informed your perspective as a marketing leader now. If you could just reflect on your time there, what was, what was like one of your favorite wins, like favorite experiences there in the time at American Express? Sure. It's so many. It's such a great company. My, my last role there was fascinating because I had the opportunity to launch the first coalition rewards program in the U.S. That's essentially a shared rewards program where consumers could earn points shopping at Macy's for a dress and use them at Rite Aid for household supplies or probably the other way around. They could pump gas at ExxonMobil and get points and use those to pay for their cell phone bill. And it was really addressing a, a, a key problem for people, which is that they belong to a lot of different loyalty programs, never adds up to anything. My role as chief marketing officer was to create a new brand that could establish itself in the marketplace, connect with consumers, and also reflect the 11 brands that were part of Plenty and not reflect their competitors. It was quite an interesting challenge and an exciting challenge. And on top of that, the governance model for the organization was that all of the CMOs of our partner businesses, and there were 11 of them, had a vote on all of the major marketing decisions, including our brand, our name, our visual identity. I like to say this was my second MBA. It was the most challenging, but also the most interesting opportunity. Luckily, I had a great agency partner in Siegel and Gale. They were with me every step of the way. And we were able to get full buy-in from each of our partners in creating a new brand that really they felt proud to be a part of and they knew would connect with their customers. Wow. I'm thinking just of like the, you know, the conversations in the boardroom with 11 of your 11 other, you know, CMOs that are have ideas, perspective and strategies. And so, you know, wow, like I, I see I love your your comment about another MBA. I mean, <laughs> learning to kind of reach across the aisle and build trust and rapport and get buy-in from, from other like marketing leaders, not just from like the teams. Not, we're talking about other marketing leaders that have their own responsibilities and their own votes. What were some of the lessons learned in that? That's such an interesting experience. It's a great question. I'd say a couple things. One is making sure that we were really representing their customers. So going out and talking to their customers, capturing their customers' voice of what was important to them. Because as a CMO, you're focused on what do your customers need? What are their wants? The second was making sure that we worked within each company, kind of within the hierarchy, to make sure we found the influencers within the companies who could help us sell our story and tell our story within those organizations. Every CMO is going to look to, as I said, their customers, but also to their key lieutenants. We wanted to make sure they were comfortable and advocated for, for our approach. So those were two things that I've really taken to heart. And then I think the third is coming forth with, with authenticity, honesty, and a real focus on trying to do the best thing for everyone. And that's something that I try to do every single day in my job is really focus on what are the outcomes and what's best for everyone. So many lessons learned along the way. Um, I love that. You know, you also led marketing strategies for the Capital One Walmart partnership, which I, I want to get into this back in 2017. According to your bio, you launched this Capital One Walmart's rewards card and converted 10 million customers from prior bank to the organization. I mean, the results definitely speak for themselves there, but how much of a lift was that? Lessons learned there. Would love to hear about that. 
It was a significant project as, as, as you're guessing. And I think one of the important things is understanding when you're converting 10 million people, what was their experience before and how can you manage them through change? Even if change results in something better, people hate change. Nobody likes it. It's difficult. And so really doing research with customers to understand what was important to them, what they valued, helping them to see what was coming forth and how to articulate it in a way that would make sense for them, that would, for example, make them want to change their account setups, establish a relationship with a new bank. Those are hard things to get over. But when you demonstrate the value to people, you're able to bring them along the journey. We also made sure it wasn't just a single communication. We prepared people. We provided an, uh, a website where they could go learn information. It was a very long process to make sure that we were able to capture as many people on the happy path as possible. And then the last thing we did was think about what are all the unhappy paths? What are all the ways people could fall out of this experience? Particularly in credit cards, when you are shifting between banks, that's an opportunity to put another card first in wallet. And in credit cards, you always want to be first in wallet. So how do you make sure what are the unhappy paths that would lead someone to maybe put you in the back of the wallet, never take you out again, or only take you out occasionally? So we really thought through all of those things as well. And as a result, we had a very successful experience. So let's talk about this very real thing called the consumerization of healthcare. I know this is a really big topic, and you said at this really inter interesting intersection of healthcare and financial services. There's a lot happening there right now, and I certainly can see kind of where we're headed as things move forward. I would love to just hear about what your perspective is on this. I mean, it seems like consumers are increasingly wanting more, the expectations keep rising, the experiences get better and better. What are you learning? What are you seeing in this whole realm of consumerization of healthcare? It's a fascinating question and a fascinating time to be at this intersection of healthcare and consumerism and financial services adding on top of it. When you think about the healthcare industry, it's really been a B2B industry as much as we like to think of ourselves as in the driver's seat. It hasn't operated that way. It's very much been about what's the relationship between the insurance plans and the providers that will cover different types of medical services or you as an employee signing up for medical care through your employer. What's changed in the last few years and is evolving incredibly rapidly is that consumers have an iPhone in their pocket and they're used to being able to go on Amazon and compare prices for products. They're able to get things delivered very quickly. They're able to get immediate receipts that are clear and they know exactly what they've purchased. Think about you as a consumer, you've probably gotten an estimate of benefits, an EOB, that you don't know whether you should pay or not. <laughs> it's crazy. It does not work the way consumers expect it to. And my company, we are a gigantic 380,000 person company, um, is very focused on how do we accelerate this change. A big part of it is the actual customer experience of people going onto the website, trying to find information. You know, in our case, within the health benefit account business, we have a product that is incredibly useful for consumers. You can put money in tax-free. You can take it out tax-free. It can grow tax-free. It's one of these incredible products that most people don't know how valuable it is. And I will tell you, until I started this job, I was one of the guilty parties. I now know that you can save 30% on average 
on every healthcare transaction by using your health benefit account, specifically your HSA or your FSA. We are trying to make consumers, trying to help consumers understand the value of these products. Um, We are trying to make our experiences better. We are trying to articulate to consumers in a way that doesn't sound like we're talking to their employer, their benefits manager, the value for them. So we are a little bit of a microcosm of what's happening across all of, all of certainly United Healthcare, but also the healthcare industry at large, of trying to write, for example, in a way that doesn't sound like your bank is telling you about a transaction or your bank of 20 years ago. We're trying to write to you and use language that you would see on Uber if you're getting a car there or when you're going on walmart.com or some of the other great consumer brands or buying pants at Lululemon, how would Lululemon relate to you as a consumer? That's how we want to come across. A new leader joined our organization about nine months ago, and he's really the one who has been pushing a lot for this change. And it's very interesting to see how we respond internally to the push to become more consumer-centric. Not all of our people come from that background. Not all of them know what good looks like. And trying to get people through that change management process is quite a challenge. I'd be curious too on that note, just of, you know, you said accelerating change and, you know, with, with, I would suspect that at Optum Financial, there is a lot of resources, a lot of support, right, to move things forward. It's a massive organization that's part of a really massive brand in United Health Group. What is your relationship with, for lack of a better word, like getting things done fast, right? Because you, you have the ability to do it, but you also have a lot of people, a lot of stakeholders, a lot of smart, creative people that are supporting all of this change. You as the, you know, as the marketing leader, having to kind of balance that of like, we're moving quick, the world's moving quick, that's not slowing down, yet you have a lot of stakeholders internally to move things forward. And just what's that balance like for you as a marketing leader? It's a great question. And it's not easy, just to be honest. We as a company, and I think we as an industry have underinvested in marketing capabilities, marketing budgets. Um, size of marketing teams. And we are suffering as a result. In five years, even in two years, I can see where the process will be better for employees. The outcomes for consumers will be better. But it is it is difficult right now of how do you manage through the change. We are in the process of standing up new tools and capabilities that will that will make it better. And so I'm trying to keep both my eye on the prize of where we're going strategically in the future while also looking for efficiencies today in how we produce and deliver deliver materials. Shifting a little bit into kind of like the, the next-gen marketing opportunities, like within the different audiences that Optum's serving, right? What do you see as like the biggest one, like the biggest next-gen marketing opportunity? Because you, you could serve a lot of different audiences. And I'm wondering, is there kind of an up-and-comer you're paying more attention to? Or is it still more holistic and you're speaking to a lot of different uh, different generations? You know, uh, it's a good question, and uh, I love all of my children equally, um, but I would say that the consumer is really where we are focused as an organization and where Optum is focused, and trying to help the consumer, how much we can get to them directly to influence their purchasing decisions, how they use their healthcare products, and particularly their healthcare financial products like what we offer. We are going increasingly mobile. Obviously, that's something that all of us as consumers use. We as an organization haven't been as focused on what that mobile experience is. So we're spending a lot of time on our apps, trying to improve them, improve 
how they work, their look and feel, the messaging, even the marketing capabilities within the apps hasn't been an area that we've invested in. At the same time, we need to invest also in the employer experience. And I think often we treat B2B as if they are somehow different. Business people are different in their business life, but they're human beings. And they're used to the same consumer experiences that our consumers who were talking to them. So we need to improve our business experience as well and the business portals and the business apps that people are using and put as much focus there and use the same simplicity of language, clarity of thought, fewer words is better, put everything on a word diet, as we say, um, in order to really make the impact that we want to. We're hearing from a lot of marketing leaders across industries, and I'm sure this won't be a surprise to you, that a lot of them are looking to do more with less. Yes. They're, may, they're cutting costs. Budgets are flat. Budgets are being cut. I'm sure you're at the helm of a lot of these conversations. I'm just curious of what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're sharing with other marketing leaders or folks that you're engaging with around you know, doing more with less, around the economic headwinds that are coming. And we all feel them. We all see them. Just would love your thoughts on that. I think the good news is, is that marketing is really looked to to drive revenue. We are on the hook in a positive way to make significant business impacts, whether it's um, on the B2B side, generating marketing qualified leads for our payer business, on the consumer side, educating people and getting them to use their card more to generate interchange. You know, the business is really looking to us to develop the strategies to drive those to drive those goals. And to do that, we have to become more efficient. And a lot of that comes down to capabilities. So implementing personalization to become more impactful in our marketing, looking at the talent that we have, looking at the teams that we rely on to execute our work internally, trying to make sure everything is working as it should be and making changes. Because the way you did things 10 years ago or even one year ago is very different than how it should be done today. And we're testing new channels. So we're testing more content marketing, search engine marketing, social that haven't been done before in our, in our area um, and seeing how we can impact the customer. I'm very excited about that. I think it's a great challenge for us, but it's not something that we can sit back and rest on our laurels. It's something that we're constantly being pushed on by the business. And so we have to really um, be as focused on it as we can be. And you've been in finance, you know, for a while. So you've certainly been through the the swings of, you know, the economy changing and shifting. And you've probably had to, I would imagine, maybe draw from some of that experience um, into now, into today. Do you kind of reflect back on the times when things were tight and, you know, sim we faced similar things? Like, do you kind of go back and pull? If so, like, what do you pull from those times? Or do you feel like today is just so different and so new that you can't solve those problems with the same things you did back in the day when the economy was rough back in 2008, right? Or, or whatever. Marketing is consistent. It's all about what is the value that you're providing to your customer? How do you provide that value in the most compelling and also efficient way possible? That comes down to really knowing who your customer is through research, through data, through insights. So all of that to me, Jeremy, is the same. I think the new data and capabilities that we have today allow us to become better and better at that. You know, working with companies like Movable Inc. or video personalization, tricks that I used back in my financial services days, but at Amex used, used uh, tools like that or social media marketing that I'm now doing more of in, in my business today. 
And I'd say the other thing that's consistent is that internal relationships are more important than ever. Culture moves at the pace of trust. And as you're trying to get people to think differently, to act differently, to try things and be innovative, you have to create safe environments where they feel like they can do that, where your business partners know that you're coming from the same place and trying to do the same thing. But relationships are how you get things done. And I think we are leaning on each other more and more. And as so many of us work remotely, we still need to go and see each other in person. So I travel quite frequently for my job so that I can go see clients, business partners, have that face-to-face contact because that also has an element of efficiency to it because you can translate things more easily and quickly and develop that trust, which again is so critical to being successful at work. With obviously patient privacy, you know, being a constant focus, how effective have like automation and real-time data collection efforts been in, you know, been for your marketing? It's a good question. And I think something that we'll learn more about as, as time goes on, we are moving more towards automation in our customer journeys. And we'll be implementing that in, you know, in the coming months. The biggest change in our business on the health benefit account side is that our employers are used to approving all the marketing that we send to their employees. And as machine learning gets stood up, we're going to make the decision that's best for the employee. And whether that's telling them about where to spend on their card or that's telling them about new investment options. Um, We're going to personalize our communications more and more because we know what's best for the consumer. And that's just a different relationship with our employer clients. We have, you know, tens of thousands of them and how we develop and bring them along that journey with us is going to be as important as we do uh, the consumers who we serve. Mm, And you talked about the, you know, the the different environment that we're in now in terms of employee experience and people working remote and you know it's it's a, it is a different world that we're living in and we're hearing a lot of brands doubling down on you know we we talk a lot about customer experience of course but we're we're hearing a lot about employee experience and we're hearing how brands are really focusing on this and focusing on retention and the great retention we're hearing about and so would love your thoughts as well just around how you think about the employee experience uh, now in 2022 as we wrap up the year I think it's critical that we improve the employee experience as much as we can. When I think about, for example, our customer service reps, they are frontline employees with our our customers, so important to the success of our business. Do they have the right tools to be able to do the job? When a customer calls them and has a question about their account, and remember, this is healthcare and financial services, so the combination of the two, it's very emotional for people. Do our customer service reps have the information they need? Are they able to see exactly what the consumer is seeing? This is an area that we need to really focus investment on and um, make sure that we are arming those people who support our customers as best they can. So that's one area that that we are really looking at. The other is with our marketers themselves. Right now, marketing is very manual. We are not doing things um, in an efficient way. We aren't as modular as we should be. We do things because of the environment that we operate in. We do a lot of duplicative work. We have to produce things under multiple brands. And we're looking at what tools we can bring in to help with that, to make our process more efficient. That's what we hear constantly in our employee surveys is make my job easier. I think the other thing we need to do as leaders is remove roadblocks and help make decisions faster. 
And the more we can do that and cut through the red tape, I think that that will also help employees so that they don't feel like they're spinning, um, being really clear about the direction we're going. I feel really good that our 2023 strategies on both the business and the marketing side are quite clear for next year. We know what we need to do. We know the outcomes that we need to have. There will be some toing and froing as we actually get there throughout 2023. But that to me is a big success, helping our employees know exactly what we're doing next year um, so that they can focus on executing that work to the best of their abilities and aren't worrying about what the future looks like. Is there like a, a restructuring of the marketing team as we as as things have changed so much? Do you view that the, the way marketing is even it's structured to change, or is it still? Do you feel like it's still static uh, how it was before? It seems like a lot of brands have reprioritized metrics, and sometimes like they think about how they structure their team a little bit differently. I would love to to know what you think about that. Yeah, the way we're organized at at Optum and within United Health Group is that the marketing teams tend to be marketing strategists. And then we work through internal execution teams, uh, the brand, the creative, email, segmentation, et cetera. I think we need more primary skill sets in our own team. So I'm hoping to hire some writers next year directly on my team because we need to do fast turns on content, on emails that we send out. And we haven't had a direct-to-consumer skill set, writing skill set on the team. The writers that we have now are marketers and they are used to creating bank communications. They're great and they have been, they had a place and a time, but we really need to write the way Lululemon writes to you or AYR, one of my favorite consumer brands that really speaks in a voice that resonates with me. Um, so that's a change that that I'm hoping to make to make next year. We also are increasing the number of marketing analysts data being so important. Um, how do you make the most of the data? Until I started, we had not had a dedicated marketing analytics um, person. Now we do. I'm hoping to grow that team as well to make us successful. I do want to ask you, what point in your career do you remember this shift of going from kind of individual contributor marketer to marketing leader? Because there's a big shift there. Was it something you set your sights on early on of like marketing leadership is where I'm heading? Was it kind of more Someone invited you into that. I would love to know what that moment was for you as a marketing leader, because you have a ton of deep experience, but where was that that intersection for you from individual contributor, marketer in the trenches to, no, I'm gonna, I wanna lead marketing and I would love to know what that story is. I actually do have a very specific story, so thank you for asking. I went to Columbia Business School and American Express is a um, big recruiter at Columbia Business School. And I remember as a first year um, in business school attending the MX pitch and someone got up and they talked about their career growth within American Express. And they showed over the course of several years, they went from individual contributor to small team leader to more and more successful. And it was at that moment where I said, that's not only the company where I want to work, but that's the kind of path that I want to have. I want to become that type of marketing executive so that I can both lead and inspire other people. And prior to that, I had always worked in startups, these small companies where you kind of jack of all trades, you do a lot of different things, including marketing. But that was really a a, a turning point for me and something that gave me an ambition to focus on that fueled the last almost 20 years of my career in a really positive way. And why that story is important is that I gave myself a goal. 
And I want to be the one coming back to Columbia Business School as an Amex employee, giving this pitch and showing my career history, my career growth. And I did that. And that was really, that was really exciting. Where did that come from with you? Were, were, were you someone that was told when you were younger, like, no, you can't do it. And you're like, oh, I will do it. Or were you someone that had a lot of encouragement and said, no, hey, you can go do what you want. And I'm curious what that was for you. I had a mother whose greatest ambition for me was to become the wife of a diplomat, not the diplomat herself, the wife of a diplomat and give great dinner parties and go to benefits. And that was her greatest ambition for me. And it didn't occur to me to think differently, to be perfectly honest. It didn't occur to me to say, wow, maybe I should do something different. Until I started working and really enjoying it and seeing that I was good at it and earning my own money and being able to make my own decisions about how I use that money. It's hugely important and gives me a lot of self-confidence and feel, makes me feel really proud of what I've been able to do. Let's get into some fun lightning round questions. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So before we get into it, I want to let everybody know, in case you don't know, Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. If you're curious, you can head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Pepper Evans in the virtual house this morning. Pepper is the Senior Vice President of Optum Financial, connected to United Health Group, Hashtag Fortune 5, Fortune 5, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Uh, first question, what exactly is a bird nerd and how do you become one in New York City of all places? Well, bird nerds are bird enthusiasts. And I will tell you, New York City and Central Park is one of the best places to see birds because migration happens through here. When birds are going north or south, many of them take a little rest in Central Park and you can take wonderful bird walks with Audubon and other organizations and see all kinds of things. I am passionate about it. I will tell you a funny fact, which is that as a child, I tried to fly. Didn't work out that well, but I think I've been passionate about birds since I was about three years old. Okay. Uh, what's a better tagline? What's in your wallet or don't leave home without it? Oh, you're asking me to choose here. You know, don't leave home without it really resonates. That's been around for a long, long time. And I think people of multiple generations can, can relate to that. And now that you carry your, your digital payment card in your wallet, your, in your phone rather, you're never leaving home without it. What's the best Ivy League football team, Columbia or Penn? I'm going to say Penn because those were the games that I went to as an undergrad and always had a lot of fun. Okay. What is the funniest thing you ever witnessed during a Zoom meeting? I did see someone take off their top. <laughs> it was not a it was not a business meeting. It was for I'm on a board of a, an organization, and uh, I think the person didn't realize that their Zoom was on. Yeah, that was, and you didn't know do you say something or not, and right, so right. we all just pretended it wasn't happening. Oh, what is your least favorite marketing buzzword or least favorite business buzzword? Synergy. Oh, that one comes up. That one comes up a lot. <laughs> If you could have any upgrade to your work from home setup, what would it be? I'd love to have a standing desk. That would make a big difference for me. What is the best team building exercise you've ever employed and do you still use it? I'll tell you what the worst is and that would be paintball. I have gone on paintball expedition oh. teams and it's horrible. You just end up bruised and in my case crying because you got shot in the face. Oh. 
You know, for me, a lot of it is people sharing either their favorite recipes. Everyone loves to talk about food. That's been a big one. And and when we do team building exercises, we often will have people share, you know, things that they've made. made. So that's been fun. Mm. If you could use marketing to send a message to the entire world, what would it be? Just like Ringo Starr says, peace and love. What is one popular thing or activity you wish you enjoyed more? I wish I liked TikTok more. Mm. Everyone loves TikTok and I I don't know what it is. I'm just not quite able to, I I can't help but feeling it's a waste of my time. Probably not, but uh, I'm trying. I got it. I'm with you there. I agree with you there. Still trying to figure it out. Um, What is the best business advice you've ever received? Focus on the people. Love that. Love that. all about the people, whether it's your people, people you work with, people who are your customers, focus on the people. Okay. And lastly, what is one thing you'd like to do before the end of the year that you've never done before? Well, I am going to Mexico, to the mountains in Mexico for Thanksgiving, and I'm looking forward to going hiking in the mountains of Mexico. Amazing. Well, Pepper, thank you so much for being a part of Marketing Trends. I know I speak for myself, the production team, and our audience here. We loved having you on the show. Thanks for making time to be on Marketing Trends and have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Appreciate it.